0: Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle, it's John Lamoureux. Okay, this week we have a very, very unique guest for you. She is a super cool lady named Blanche Napoleon. Now let me give you a little bit of background. At or near the top of my wish list of people who I would give anything to talk to who have passed away would be the late, great singer-songwriter Dan Hartman. I love everything he's done. His music is so joyful and soulful it just makes me happy to listen to it his biggest hits were probably um, I can dream about you which you would remember it was a huge smash in I think 1984 he also had a huge hit with disco hit with instant replay the song you're listening to right now unfortunately he passed away in 1993 from AIDS but he and Blanche had been best friends going back to like the mid 70s and he made her a backup singer for him. She didn't even plan on having a musical career, but it just worked out that way. And so it's really interesting because Blanche may have the shortest resume of anyone, music resume of anyone we've had on the show, but she has some of the best stories. We're talking Studio 54, we're talking hanging out with tons of rock stars, we're talking lots of money and touring, money being made from jingles. That's a common, you know, uh, topic that comes up on here a lot. Really cool stuff. She eventually, uh, died, decided pretty early on that music wasn't really what she wanted to do. So she started what would turn out to be a hugely successful career in the fashion industry. So this episode is basically a twofer. You get to know all about this really interesting lady, Blanche Napoleon, but then you also get to hear all about Dan Hartman, and if you're a fan of Dan, you'll love this conversation. I got to know Blanche through corresponding on a Dan Hartman fan page on Facebook, and when she mentioned that she had sang backup with him, I immediately invited her to be on the show, and she accepted. And about ten seconds after I did that, I thought, Wait a minute, do I know who this lady is? I feel like I do. And sure enough, a few years ago, she was a guest on the Decibel Geek podcast to talk about Vinnie Vincent, who had also been a member of Dan's band in the 70s. I had completely forgotten, but I had heard that episode, and she was great on there too. Now, we don't talk about Vinnie in this one. She said, I figure everything she had to say with them, so we just focus on Dan. But if you're a listener to the Decibel Geek podcast, then maybe you are familiar with her as well. She's a wonderful lady. She called me from her home on Long Island. Did you grow up wanting to be a musician? Is that what your no, initial it, it
1: dreams
2: all,
1: of? Yeah, it, it all happened by accident. Well, I'll just back up and just say my father sang in the choir at church, and I was always singing with my father. My father and mm-hmm. I did were always singing. So I always loved to sing, and I grew up standing in front of the mirror singing to Diana Ross, singing mm-hmm. all the songs to myself in the mirror. So I kind of knew somehow that I was going to do that at some point, but mm-hmm. it was just, you know, fantasy in front of the mirror. But mm-hmm. what happened was one of my best friends was a woman named Roma Zurga, and we worked together, and she uh, married Edgar Winter oh, and moved from Austin to New York. So at the actual wedding, which was in 1975 in June, um, she said to me, why don't you come up to New York for a while uh, and, uh, and just hang out for a while, and then you can always come back to Austin. And I thought, you know, why not? Sure. So in December of 75, I Can I, I ask do you,
3: if York, you don't want to say, how, how old were you at that time? Do you mind me asking?
1: Oh, no, I don't care. I was born in 51. So what was I, 23 24. years old or 24? Okay. Yeah. I'm just wondering what um,
3: age of a person is making this decision. Is it a teenager? Okay. Is yeah. it more of an adult? You know what I mean? Anyway, exactly. okay, go ahead. I Sorry was, to interrupt. Uh,
1: I was living in Austin, and I was divorced because I married my high school sweetheart, and two years mm. later realized that's not what I wanted to do. He wanted a wife. He wanted a children. I wanted to be in bars all night. So mm. we got a divorce <laughs> and remained best friends. Mm -hmm. And Roma said, come to New York. And I said, you know, what the hell? Why not? So I went to New York in December of 75 and had a blast. And she and Edgar, we went to New Year's Eve. We were in the Rainbow Room. It was like a crazy dream. And she said, move back. Edgar and Roma both said, come live with us for a while. And when I'm touring, Roma gets lonely. Sometimes she's on the road with me. Sometimes she isn't. Mm You girls will be together again. So I went back to Austin and basically sold everything I owned and drove my Fiat to uh, New York (laughs) in February of 75. (laughs) And they had an apartment in the city that they never used. Occasionally they would come into the city. So she moved Mm. me into that apartment. And then on weekends I would go to the big estate that he and Dan Hartman rented together. It was this huge estate on Sands Point, and they had the studio there. And so on weekends, I was out there hanging with Roma, and we'd all be sitting around the piano singing or up in the studio, just kind of hanging out. And mm-hmm. one time, Edgar said to me, you know, you have perfect pitch. And I said, wow. what? And he said, no, you, you have perfect pitch. You need to take some music lessons. And I said, oh, yeah, right. You know, and you're drinking tequila, and you're not taking any of this seriously, and we're just having fun. And right. I'm not starstruck because these are my friends, you know. And right. they were." Rock and Roller's coming all the time. And it was just normal to me.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: And one day my phone rang, and it was Dan. And Dan said, because Dan, you know, and Edgar were still part of the Edgar Winter group at that Mm -hmm. point. Dan Mm -hmm. lived in one wing of the house, and Edgar and Roma lived in the other wing. And so Dan and I became best friends because of Roma and Edgar. Mm. And Dan called me up one day and said, listen, we are serious. You have very good voice. I've paid (sighs) for your first voice lesson with a woman named Ann Ruckert. You're going to take this lesson, whether you want to or not, after your first lesson, let it go if you want, but please do us the favor, go have this lesson. So I did. I went to Ann Ruckert, who is a very incredible woman in the industry, you know, sang background vocals for, she was married to Joe Cocker for a while. She did socials and she's a
2: vocal vocal coach. Yeah.
1: Um, and so I went to her for my first lesson and she too said, you know, you have a natural gift and you mm. really, you know, you should keep singing. So I started taking vocal lessons. So, you know, this is like nineteen seventy six at this point. Okay. And then, you know, I'm at I'm at Edgar and Roma's house on the weekends, meeting all the rock stars that come and go, go go yeah. on a couple of gigs with Roma. So I'm living the almost famous lifestyle, literally. Can I can um, I ask you one question about that? Uh huh. I'm guessing
3: you're a single girl. Were you getting asked out? Were you getting, was anyone particularly impressive? Whether that be. I had a boyfriend.
1: Oh, you did? Okay.
3: (laughs) Uh, Uh, Anyone we would know? Oh, someone from Austin came with you.
1: Yeah, uh, someone from Austin. And he moved up with me. And he was, um, he started designing all these fabulous uh, ponchos and things for a store called Fiorucci back then, which you might remember. Hmm. So he was designing. These fabulous fashion things. And meanwhile, I started taking vocal lessons. And we'd go on the road with uh, Roma and Edgar. And then we'd come back and would, you know, just this house was this huge estate with a studio. Mm -hmm. So it was this crazy rock and roll life. But yet, then I'd go back in the city and have a normal life Monday through Friday. Yeah, Um, yeah. Were you working
3: or were you living rent free in that apartment or what?
1: I was I was I started working at Bloomingdale's just to do something. Cause, oh, sure. You know, at this point, I still didn't know, was I going to stay in New York? Let me tell you my lifestyle. Edgar and Roma would come in the city, limousines everywhere, parties oh, everywhere, God. hanging out with Johnny Winter, his brother, yep. going to clubs. I mean, my life was like a dream. Yeah. And I kept thinking, you know what? I don't want to go back to Texas. Why would I? <laughs> So, But I thought, what the hell am I going to do? So I got a job okay. at, at Bloomingdale's just to pay the rent, because by that time I said, Roman, Edgar, I can't continue to live off you and your apartment, mm-hmm. so me and Lloyd are going to get an apartment, and we did. Lloyd was designing things, and he was working for the Metropolitan Opera in the costume department. And, okay. um, and then, you know, we're living this crazy life, and we're traveling around, and we're having the high life in New York City, and... um Studio 54 opens. Uh And I was best friends with Rennie Reynolds, who was the florist to anybody who was anybody in New York, and he had the Studio 54 account. So he decorated it with the flowers and did the parties all the time. So suddenly, you know, studio opens, and I'm going to studio all the time. Um, And and Dan one night says to me, we're dancing. Now, meanwhile, Dan and I had become best, best friends. Okay. Um, and it, he loved.
2: It. So uh-huh. he was like
1: brother and sister. So he'd mm-hmm. come into the city because he was still. They were now moved to Connecticut. Mm-hmm. They were first on Long Island, and now Edgar and Dan, they've all moved to Connecticut. Edgar and Romer have a second, uh, a separate house, and Dan okay. has a house uh, that used to be a schoolhouse, and he had a studio in it, so he called it the Schoolhouse Studio.
2: Oh wow!
1: That's and great. Dan would uh, call me out and say. You know, let's go up in the studio and sing and I'd say, Okay, uh-huh. n- never guessing that anything was gonna be recorded. Now, meanwhile I'm still taking voice lessons. Okay. Um, and then Dan and I would come into the city and we'd start we'd go to studio and dance all night. So one one weekend Dan said, We're gonna let's record a song together and I said, But nobody's gonna hear it, right? And he goes, Yeah, nobody's gonna hear it So we mm-hmm. recorded an instant replay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, so I'm, you know, hanging out in the studio, and he has all these other um, musicians coming and recording all the time, so I'm hanging out listening to musicians and and doing some background vocals on, like, just just to see what the song would sound like, etc. Never guessing that I'm ever going to be recorded for anybody to hear.
2: Right. And right. so I'm
1: enjoying myself, and I'm not scared, you know. Uh-huh, sure. Very moods, relaxed, heels, right? There's no, Nothing's on the I'm line. Very relaxed.
2: Yeah. Edgar mm-hmm. would come
1: in and play the sax, you know. It was mm-hmm. just my life. These were my friends. Sure. So one night, Dan and I, and a whole group of us are at Studio 54, and we're dancing up a storm, and suddenly instant replay comes on. Now, I knew that he had made the record. But I never thought I'd be dancing at Studio 54 and hear it. And we're dancing together. The song comes on, and I look at him and go, oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> and everyone's going crazy to this song. Right. So I said, Dan, I'm going to kill you. And he goes, well, here's the news, Blanche. You don't know it, but a bunch of clubs have the song. And no the demand is so high, we're going to record a flip side, a B-side. And I'm like, okay. Uh-huh. So... The next thing, now, by this time, I've moved out to Connecticut also. We're all living in Westport.
2: Okay. And
1: um, so I go over and record a B-side, and uh, that led to Dan saying, you know what? We're going to do an album. Now, meanwhile, when this instant replay song happens, that's when I meet G.E. Smith and Mm Hilly Michaels and Vinnie Vincent because he had them all playing on the record, Right.
3: Right. Weren't and, they living there too with him or was that well, a, I, I know Hilly yeah, was at was, least for a while. Hilly
1: was and I think I can't remember where Vinny or G I think G E still lived in the city, but Vinny might have been out there somewhere. I can't remember. But Hilly did. So we okay. were always hanging out at Dan's house because it had the studio there. And right. we would sing and we would play around. So it was it was just a wonderful time. And like I had said before, um, these are guys that weren't druggies. They right. were never drugged out. We were always laughing and giggling and having a great time. Hilly That's was good. hysterical. Vinny was mm-hmm. so funny. GE was this lovely, sweet guy. Um, so suddenly we found ourselves recording the Instant Replay album.
2: Yeah. And
1: um, And then we had to do all this PR for it. And and so suddenly my life just changed overnight. I right. was singing and recording and we would do a gig every now and then. So it Are you still working happened. at
3: Bloomingdale's?
1: No, I had left that a long time ago because oh, okay. Dan said to me, Come on out, live in Westport. Yeah. Uh my boyfriend was uh designing these fabulous rain ponchos that mm-hmm. suddenly Fiorucci, Sacks, all everyone was um buying. So we set up Um, an office in Westport was having them made and shipping from our own garage. So during the day, I was doing that. And at night, I was recording.
3: (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Suddenly, you're in the music business.
1: Suddenly. And you're on one of the hottest tracks in the
3: world. And that wasn't even the plan.
1: And that was not the plan. I never had any, any intention of being in the music business. But I was surrounded by it. And fortunately for me, I was around all these people that were wonderful, friendly, lovely. Edgar was a doll. We'd all sit around mm. the piano and sing. So it was, um, you know, an innocent way into the music mm-hmm. industry. Cool. Um, and so we did the Instant Replay album, and it was just a huge success, as you as you know. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, which led to, okay, we're going to do a second album, which was Relight My Fire Nineteen seventy-nine, But meanwhile, from 77, when we recorded Instant Replay and it was released in 78, Dan and I are are just best buddies. We're traveling Mm -hmm. around together. We're always going into the city laughing and giggling. Dan loved to cook. So Mm. Dan had this huge kitchen and this wonderful Jamaican um, lady who cooked for him a lot. So we were always going to the grocery store, buying groceries, coming back and cooking in his kitchen all the time. Uh, which was hilarious and funny i Um, believe it i mean it was just so much fun it was just a fun fun time and dan was um even though he'd been in one of the biggest rock bands with the edgar winter band um, dan Mm -hmm. never lost his you know never forgot from whence he came Harrisburg, pennsylvania he was a good old boy yeah had his sister come up all the time and hang and um, it was just a wonderful, wonderful time, a cool. uh, very innocent time. And even though sure. there were lots of wild rock and rollers coming and going sure. all the time, Dan remained Dan. And I think that's yeah. how I remained grounded and down to earth and never took this sure. as I'm I'm a hot background singer. Right. It was just my friends that I was okay. singing with, mm-hmm. you know?
2: So
3: let me um, ask you about Dan mm-hmm. and his personal life because, yeah. um, you know, he was – to my knowledge, he was never out while he was alive. Never. And then he died of AIDS tragically, and there was nothing overtly effeminate about him, uh, uh, really. I mean, no. I, you know, there's very few interviews online, but I'm so fascinated with him. I watched them, and um, so you wouldn't know. It's not like it's an, an obvious thing to an outsider. But on right. the you know, I, sexual politics being so different now than what they were then. Do you know was Dan was Dan yes. out? To you and to everyone else, yes. but not to the real world yes. or was he Dan and I, inside.
2: Okay.
1: That's right. Dan and I would actually go to uh, to gay bars together and mm-hmm. dance all night and um I was one of the few people that knew he was gay and it was not he did not want his family to know because they were uh, not going to accept it. Yeah. And the music industry at that point Kind of wasn't, I mean, this is 1977, 78, 79. Very different. It was something that he he didn't, you know, come out. But I knew his boyfriend, knew him very well. We had a group uh, that Dan named the Schoolhouse Kids, Mm -hmm. and we did some background vocals. In fact, he gives us credit on the Instant Replay album, and all of us knew. And his boyfriend was part of that group, and I won't say his name, but
2: he, he was
1: part of that group. And so Dan was very happy if you listen to instant replay, it's very yeah. joyful. Oh it is the it's songs the best. are all about chocolate box and double O love and love yeah. and natural. I mean So happy with his was okay, So he, he was comfortable in pass. his
3: own skin. He was comfortable he in his alluded. own skin other than keeping his secret. It wasn't, you know, torturing him or oppressing him. Right. He was fine the no. way he was. Okay, good. Well good. in
1: fact because Steve Paul, who as you know, owned Blue Res- Blue Sky Records, which is uh-huh. what Dan with Edgar and Dan were on and then stayed with once uh Steve Paul kind of reconcile the fact that Dan was leaving rock and roll and moving into disco music, which he was not in favor of in the beginning. Steve was Mm. gay and had a a boyfriend. So Mm. even though within our circle, it was known and it was okay, Dan just wasn't comfortable with the world knowing, and it was mostly because of his parents. So we all respected that. Do you Um, know if his parents ever
3: found out? I mean, was him dying of AIDS a shock to them too, or would they have uh,
1: I think come to they find were, out by that? They did find out, but they were never happy about it, and ah, that's too were bad. Um, very distraught uh, about it, and yeah. uh, and of course with him getting AIDS. And you know, the the sad thing was that um, when he, when let's see, I guess it was nineteen eighty eighty one. I got. Completely absorbed in the fashion industry, so Dan and I would only see each other occasionally, and I started traveling around the world, um, and so we weren't we weren't seeing each other and talking to each other all the time anymore. And he, you know, got involved in a whole different. He did the um, the Streets of Fire. Absolutely, you know, I can dream about uh, and, you. And so yeah. he, yeah.
4: No.
1: That was, you know, that's still one of my all-time favorite songs me
3: too. he wrote.
1: Huh. Um, And I guess it was no 1981, I did record with him on It Hurts to Be in Love, that album. I yeah. Think, uh, it Hurts to Be in Love with him. And that's the last thing we did as far as recording in the studio together uh, a okay. song or an album. And okay. fast forward in about 82-ish, he started writing commercials for oh. Gillette. And so we did a commercial, Silk Hairspray and huh. uh, Musk Oil, uh, and I did all the background vocals for it. Dan actually wow. wrote the music for them, and he had Man. me come to the studio and sing them, and I did all three background harmony parts.
2: Hmm.
1: So that was, I believe, 81 or 82, and so that's the last time I actually recorded with him.
3: Okay. I was did like you guys remain friends?
1: We were best friends still. If he came in the city, we would hang out. Um, okay. Never forget. <laughs> the movie, I don't know if you ever saw a movie called Time Me Up, Time Me Down. No, I've heard of it. Okay. It was the first movie that I ever knew Antonio Banderas to be in.
2: Oh, right. And, that
1: one. Um, And it's a Pedro uh, Almodovar movie, one of mm-hmm. his very first.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: when that was, that the premiere, uh, Dan came and picked me up and we went to the world premiere with Pedro and um and it was a wonderful night and um it was wow. that was probably one of the last times that Dan and I were out as a uh you know like as a, a professionals together Sure okay The rest of the time it was really just me and him hanging out having dinner but now at this point I am now traveling all over the world for the fashion industry so Yeah. Um, I wasn't recording anymore, but I was getting residuals at the wazoo from all wow. our commercials. They were running
2: oh, uh, right. fine
1: time. So now Dan yes. entered a new area of writing commercials, which right. not people know. Um, I don't either.
3: Do you think he found that as fulfilling? I mean, he's such an amazingly gifted songwriter. And I talked to a lot of people who have gone uh-huh. the jingle route and, um, a lot of them, I mean, it's like winning the lottery because you sing five minutes on yeah. a commercial and you make money <laughs> in perpetuity forever, right? <laughs> yes. It's ama- I mean, it's an yes. amazing way to live. It's but amazing so way to many work. of them, yeah, but so many of them, I think, I hope I'm not disparaging anyone, tend to do that sort of when their professional music career starts to cool off a little bit.
1: That's right. But and it sounds right. like and he was James still at the height of
3: his powers, just doing whatever he wanted.
1: Yeah. yeah. He you know, Dan was so prolific and Dan if you if there were thirty six hours in the day, he would have been uh-huh. working all thirty six. So I believe in my heart Dan did this because it was something diversified. It was another genre for him to excel in, mm-hmm.
2: for him mm-hmm.
1: to be challenged by. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean he was orchestrating, he was writing for other people, producing, as you know. Tina Turner came out and sure. Schoolhouse and and did an album there. Uh-huh. Leonard Skinner, I mean Muddy Waters, you name it. So he was doing all of that, and then got asked to do these commercials. Write these commercials, and I'm not sure how that connection got started, uh-huh. but he was asked to, to write commercials, and so he called me, you know, and said, "Listen, uh, you know, we work great together. Would you want to do these commercials?" And I said, "Sure." As and so I would record late at night. The, and as you know, it's pretty easy. I did all three-part harmony, so it took a little right. longer than having three singers in there doing all at once. Um, and then I was doing my day job. Um, yeah. But I believe he did it because it was a challenge and it was something okay. different.
3: He was probably um, paid handsomely, too. Right?
1: I'm sure he was because yeah. I can tell you that... I was making so much money in those residual checks that would oh, come God. monthly that I, I, even I couldn't believe it. I had no oh. idea what kind of money came with jingles because yeah, I've never done it before. And uh, this ran in prime time.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: So These are the uh, stories
3: I've heard. It's amazing yes.
1: and, the kind of lifestyle you, know, you can I, have from that. Well, it's interesting because you meet a lot of recording artists who maybe couldn't make it uh as a solo career or something and always had been a background vocalist get these mm-hmm. jingles and this is you know this is a great living and nothing to yeah. be ashamed of yeah. you know yeah yeah so yeah I, it's interesting but i think dan did it because he just loved to be busy yeah um and okay. so um the uh, i will go back for a second in 1980... Yes, um You know, Lolita Holiday was on our Relight My Fire album, of Mm -hmm. course, the song Relight My Fire. And then in 1980, she did an album, and um, she invited me to sing backgrounds on Love Sensation because we had sung together on the Relight My Fire song. Got it. I wonder. Yeah, that's how that happened. And can I tell you, I had gotten to know her before because uh, Dan we did a tour down to Mexico City, and Lolita really? and Dan and I uh, went to Mexico City, the whole band, and we did this show, and I got to know Lolita on that trip, and she was the loveliest the, and also oh. a funny person. I think Dan had a way of picking people, I think, for their talent, but also yeah. fun-loving, good, fun people, and she oh, that's was.
3: great. That's great. And so
1: that's how I got to know her. And okay. Then when Dan, I guess, was helping her produce her album or some songs, he said she and he said, let's have Blanche do Love Sensation. So that's how that happened.
3: amazing. Um, I didn't even know until getting ready to talk to you. I never pieced together before that he wrote that song. And uh, and of course, that song was gigantic because it was sampled in that Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch song, Good Vibrations, right? So and I, think know, that's, I think that may have even gotten popular right around the time Dan died or maybe shortly okay, after or yeah. before. So um, yeah. interesting. I wondered if he got to ever hear that sample. It's iconic. Good yeah, I you know, sensation.
1: I have no idea, but I certainly did hear it, and yeah. it was it was just so awesome. In fact, my friends, now now here's the funny thing. I have to I'm going to back up for a second. Well, actually, happens further forward, but um, you know, I did this whole uh, background singing career, which was all an accident, as I've told you, mm-hmm. uh, and because my friends were in the business and they thought I could sing, so I did. But it was never my choice of career. Mm, So mm. when, uh, what happened was um, a friend of mine was a shoe designer and she asked me to model for her in a shoe show, a fashion show once. Mm. And so that's how I got started modeling shoes and then got hired at Charles Jordan in 1979 to be the showroom model and the assistant to the president. So now I'm working this day job But it's Uh singing, still singing and recording with Dan at night, because this is only 1979. I was still Uh doing songs with him in 80 and 81.
2: Okay.
1: Um, But once I got into the fashion industry, you know, I kind of, I didn't turn my back on the music industry, but it was never my career path. So it was, Mm. you know, I kind of walked away, so to speak, and got very involved in my industry. So no one in the fashion industry ever knew about my past. A few friends knew that I had sung on this song called Instant Replay, but that was mm-hmm. it. I never really talked about it
2: mm-hmm. because
1: for me, once again, it was something I did with my friends. If you sure. know what I mean. You know. Yeah. And uh so now fast forward this is hilarious. Fast forward to ninety four. Nineteen ninety four. Uh-huh. I'm working at Donna Karen. Um, and we're a group of us from Donna Karen are out in San Francisco doing a big uh, West Coast tour where we go into the stores and we meet with management and we discuss our businesses because I ran the men's and women's footwear and handbag uh, for men's and women's at Donna Karen. Huh. And we go to this club, this bluesy club one night with some friends uh-huh. of ours who lived in San Francisco. And we're there, and I still drink tequila back in those days, and mm-hmm. I've had a couple of tequila, so I'm feeling loose. and um dean who did know that i had once recorded and i knew johnny and edgar winter very well they were like you know really good friends
2: uh-huh. happened
1: to go over and tell the lead singer of this band that i know a girl in the audience she's sitting over there at the bar her name's blanche napoleon she's saying blah 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 why don't you call her up on stage <laughs> now remi- let me remind you that everyone i work with and everyone i'm there has no idea i ever recorded a song with right. Right. So all of a sudden, this guy says, I understand Blanche Napoleon's out in the audience. Blanche, come join wow. us on stage. Oh, and I go, yeah. 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 You're feeling
3: it. Why not?
1: And I jump up on stage. Now, my boss is with me. The lady oh. I report to at oh, do wish with me. And she's going, what the hell? <laughs> and the guy turns to me and says, um... Whoa, whoa, oh God! I just went blank on the song we it and he said, "You know the song?" I said, "Hell yeah!" Now, <laughs> the the one thing I can tell you is, you never get on stage without a rehearsal. It's stupid to uh-huh, do that. Right. But three tequilas later, of you course. Do it. And so he gave me a mic, and and off we went. My coworkers
2: oh, are man.
1: astounded, and I right. sing the song, and. At the end, take a bow, and everybody in the club is clapping and going <laughs> crazy, and I go and sit down, and they go, what the hell? So, of course, the next day, I had to tell them about my past
3: music. Yeah, you've been holding I out had on that. no
1: idea. Yeah, right. I had no idea. And it, and it so it was really funny, but um, it would just so happen, though, I think that Anna, my boss, kind of knew a little bit because I was with her in Germany when I got the the message that Dan had died from Nona oh. Hendricks. Mm. Uh, we were traveling in Germany, and back in yeah. those days, because remember, this, you know, nobody had cell phones or I didn't.
2: Yep. I yep. would
1: call home and get my messages in New York, yep. and I would yeah. be gone for two and three weeks all over Europe uh, at this point. And I'd call and get this message, and it's Nona Hendricks saying, Blanche, I hate to leave this message on your phone, but I don't know where you are, so... Dan yeah. did pass away, and, you, mm-hmm. you know, please call me and I'll give you the information about the memorial service. So I remember going to breakfast that morning and saying to Donna, you know, a dear, dear friend of mine passed away mm-hmm. that I know very well in the music industry. I need to get back to New York as soon as possible. And she said, listen, you could go back in two days. And so I did. Oh, um. So she only had a hint that I'd ever had any history in the music yeah. industry then. yeah. And yeah. now a year later, this happens in San Francisco, but it was really funny. But yeah. I remember I was just devastated because of I hadn't seen Dan in quite a while, um, and nobody was texting and emailing mm-hmm. back then. It was, you know, did you, you know he was
3: sick. Did you, I mean, I was knew it, he
1: was ill. Yes, but um, you didn't know so he had
3: AIDS necessarily.
1: I knew. Yes, I did.
3: You but did. Okay.
1: I thought at that point he was. You know, very he was somewhat healthy still. You know, I didn't sure. know okay. that he had moved into uh where he was really ill. And, yeah. and, and and I and I'm sure probably I didn't know because I was traveling like crazy
2: mm-hmm.
1: about a hundred thousand miles a year back then, uh, yeah. all over the world with my company. So I didn't really wasn't talking to anybody. Right. So I was devastated.
2: Yeah. And
1: yeah. came home and um the memorial service was truly one of the most wonderful services. Um, um, His his boyfriend asked me to speak and Roberta Flack and um, several other people in the music industry stood up and had wonderful things to say about Dan and and tell stories about Dan. It was so beautiful.
3: Do you know, did he have the same boyfriend most of that time or was he in different relationships?
1: He had a different boyfriend at that time. Okay. But um, he, um, it, and so it was this beautiful, happy, lovely good. service. Good, good. But um, it, it was just devastating. And yeah. I went out to the house and uh, helped divide up photographs and stuff like that. And just, you know, it was just so
2: sad. Yeah.
1: It was oh, a very, very sad time. Yeah. But but I wanna stay on the positive. Um, he just was the most fun. Good. Um, he would Good. um he'd call me up sometimes and go, What do you think about this? And he would, you know, play me something. I'd go, Oh my god, damn, that's so cool. You know, we were <laughs> yeah. just that, you know, that kind of close brotherly,
2: right. brotherly
1: thing. And uh-huh. um it uh he was always so generous and so nice. Good. Um he, I'm glad. Ju- you know, I just can't say enough about what a sure. wonderful guy Dan was and how privileged I am that I sure. not only got to record with him, but was such good sisterly, you know, and brotherly friendship yeah, with him. Yeah, that's
3: great. You, you know? never know. I, uh, You know, you hear about those people during that era um, who are inflicted with AIDS and they're not out, and it's such a different mm-hmm. time. And I've heard nothing but really nice stories about him. But yes, as a fan and somebody who cares, I'm about him. I'm always wondering, well, is he really, actually, truly kind of suffering inside? But he, and and he, because of the secret that he's carrying around, but it sounds like no, it sounds like he was just a, no. healthy, a happy, fun-loving, great yes. guy. Yeah. It happened. I mean, of course, it's tragic, but there wasn't. Uh, he wasn't. The picture is not of a guy who's just sad and overcome and oppressed. It's no, a who's loving in fact. Lies.
1: The fa- the last few years he definitely was out, and, and so okay. he was a happy guy, Good. living his life to the fullest. Um, so he Great. had broken through that barrier, and I, you know, I look back and think that the reason he didn't come out earlier was because he was still part of a group, a yeah, band, probably. and he didn't well, know a rock how too. that would reflect back. And a rock band, yeah, yeah, you know, free ride is a really by, macho
0: song, you know.
1: It's not he like knows. he's
3: in the gay clubs performing free ride back that's then. That's right. You know? you know
1: he was yeah. a rock and roll dude. So exactly. I believe that's what that was. That was why he had to okay. not come out. But when yeah. you look at that instant replay and you look at the titles of the songs and you listen to them, mm-hmm. that there's a there. That's not a rock and roll dude. This is no. a sensitive, incredible. Yeah. Uh, talented guy that has has decided you know what I'm going to sing and write what's really in my heart
2: yeah
3: it's joyful and
1: so he did that Relight My Fire especially
3: is one of my favorite Uh, albums of all time I I like that one even better than Instant Replay
1: you know I do too and I have to tell you that I challenge people and say play that song or play any song on that album and see if you can't you can stop yourself from getting up and dancing
3: no kidding (laughs)
2: Cannot. Oh, it makes me it's smile thinking about it. You know, yeah.
1: when you think about that time, it was disco, and people just danced and had such a yeah. good time, and those songs were written to make people get up and dance sure. and have a good time. For sure. Well, you so know. let me ask you <laughs>
3: this now. Oh, go yeah. ahead. Okay. What were you going to say? Uh, I
1: want to tell you one more fun Dan Harmon story. Yes, please story. do. Please. One night, you know, we're out in you know, out in Westport, and we drove into the city He had this great – it was a Trans Am or a GTO. I can't remember. He had Mm. this hot rod car. Uh And we drove into the city. We're going to studio to dance all night long together. And we're driving in the city, and we hit a pothole, and literally the engine fell out. I mean, it just – the the car just crashed, right? Oh, no. We get out, and we look at it, and we look at each other, and Dan says, there's no way I'm going to deal with this now. He locked the car, and we went to the studio, and we danced all night long. We didn't. Care. He didn't care what happened to that car, and I'm telling you, he loved this car. We Whoa. All night long, and he dealt with the car the next day. Because and the Trans Am is just, just was sitting there
3: in pieces <laughs> on the street where he left it.
1: I mean, Forget it. We're going to go party. Yeah, exactly. That See, that was the Dan I knew. Oh,
3: that's great. It's all about that's partying. so good to hear. It's all
1: about having a good time. Um, good. Can I, I'm going to tell a story that you decide if you're going to play it or not.
2: Okay? okay. Okay. Yes.
1: You can you can cut this. Okay.
2: Okay. Okay.
1: One time, Dan and I went to the grocery store and we had smoked some weed. Okay. So mm-hmm. we were really high. Sure. And we go to this grocery store, and we get our cart and we start to and then we go. Okay, let's divide and conquer because we're we're in a hurry. So you go that way. You go that way. We had our list. We'll come back and put it in the cart. Right. So we Mm -hmm. ran off and put it in the cart. We start pushing the cart, and it just seems to be making a lot of noise. But we're so high, and we're having a great time. You know, our cart, and people are staring at us, and we think they're staring at us because, you know, we're probably acting silly and we're high.
2: Right, right. So we
1: keep running and putting stuff in this cart, and then we're pushing it, and it's screeching and making all this noise. And we're like, oh, my God. And then we'd run and put some more stuff. We're laughing hysterically. We get to the to cashier line, and we everybody's like staring at us, and we look down. Uh-huh. We had been pushing this pie cart that was had tons of pies on it, and we had been pouring our groceries on top of it because we were so high. We grabbed the wrong basket <laughs> one time, and we're pushing this pie cart around, the grocery store and it's and making noise, and we didn't
3: know it. You're <laughs> not even paying attention. You're you're just floating we're on air.
1: Tight minds, if you know what I mean.
3: Yes. Scream. Oh, that's great!
1: Ran out of the grocery store. We never went back to that grocery store again we were Oh man.
3: Party. And, and everyone like, at the store what? is like, "There goes the it's neighborhood. Like, These weirdos. Wow. here are just <laughs> ruining my little local supermarket." You know. It's <laughs>
1: hilarious, and it's oh. something that every time I think about that, I just yeah. cry. I'm laughing so. <laughs> that's great.
2: Oh, that's. So-
1: that was Dan. I mean, Dan good. was. The coolest guy. And Good. I look back so and glad. you know, when now, you know, I have so many friends that whenever they're hearing instant replay or relight my fire, one of those songs comes on the radio, mm-hmm. they will call me and hold their cell phone up and say, Listen, what's on. You know, I get those yeah. calls all the time. I bet you do um, and it just constantly lets me relive one That's of the great. most extraordinary years of my life. So you know, it Good. was it was fabulous. And and
3: so, um Okay, so I have a number of little a number of kind of side okay. questions I want to ask you. Number one, okay. real quick though, about um, It hurts to be in love, that's the name of yeah. it, right? Yeah. That album is really hard to find. I could only fa- I found like half of it maybe on YouTube, and everything I uh-huh. heard was like sad did he break up with someone? Was he having a rough time? Yes. Because it is a far cry yeah. from the joyous right. disco music he made a couple years ago. That earlier. was
1: between the boyfriends. It's like
4: When the pain is too great to think about anymore So I go on Looking for things to work out
3: Okay,
2: because was, then I can dream uh, about
3: you and Second Nature and all that stuff comes out, and then we're back to Joyful again. Yeah. But there's this yeah. one album that is so down trodden and so yeah. sad.
1: It w- he was brokenhearted, and um, I remember we went to Neil Sedaka's apartment in New York City because we wanted to, record, to, to sing that song, record that song, and, and uh-huh. Dan wanted Neil to hear how he was going to do it and whatever, and and so that was an incredible experience to be in Nilsadaka's apartment and sitting <laughs> at a piano with Nilsadaka. I can tell you that that's something I'll never forget.
2: No
3: kidding. So that
1: was a time in Dan's life, yes, that was okay. quiet and sad.
3: Yeah, okay. Yeah. I wondered about that. It, you can tell, I mean, it's just such a, it's Got kind it. of an odd outlier in his discography because it's so sad. Um, now, yeah. you have to tell me, though, about, I mean, we kind of glossed over Studio 54. It sounds like you were there a lot. (laughs) Did you, were you, you, are you seeing Andy Warhol? You probably was hoping I wasn't going to ask you about this. Were you, I mean, you don't have to get into details, but were you seeing like Andy Warhol and Niall Rogers and Diana Ross? See,
1: when I first came to New York, okay, I came because of Edgar and Roma. And Mm -hmm. they were all part of the Warhol group. And there was a girl named Tinkerbell. Who was writing for interview magazine back then, okay who, of sure. course I became great friends with, so there was this whole crowd when i forgot when I first got there, that was part of the Andy warhol group okay. and um and then Rennie, who, as I said, was the florist to anybody yep. who was anybody, so um uh, Rennie was always at studio, so I was best friends with Rennie and a girl named Hollywood. Who came from Austin, and that's how I met Rennie because she moved to New York before I did,
2: mm.
1: and uh, she she introduced me to all these people in the fashion industry before uh, I got involved years later, and then all of these people would all would all meet and go to studio together, so I was always mm-hmm. in the VIP area. I never had to stand in line because either I, I walked it. up with Dan or I walked up with Rennie mm-hmm. or I walked up with Hollywood, yeah, and became friends with the doorman. Uh-huh. Um, in fact, uh was constantly there, and here's what we would do. There would be a group of us that would um, go to this incredible restaurant. Um, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to remember. I can't remember the name. It was Lost okay. something, and it was on 57th Street. We'd okay. all meet there and have dinner first, and then we'd go to studio. And yeah. that was like a regular routine with us. Um, oh, so there was this group that was always at studio together. I, I never paid to get into studio. I never yeah. didn't get into studio. Um, I would help Rennie during what, the what? day when he would decorate. Oh, so the uh, Dolly Parton birthday party, we decorated. Uh, we got a truck full of hay. Wow. and We had a ride around New York City and arrived with Dolly in the truck and walked in the studio. Uh, Liz Taylor's birthday party. I could go on and on, just a whole chapter on Studio 54, and I I am lucky that I was a part of that. No um, kidding. And so that's how Edgar met his next wife, was because I introduced him to a girl named Monique, who I knew at Studio. When Edgar and Roma got divorced, um, Roma asked me to stay, me and Lloyd, to stay with Edgar in his house and help him get by until he uh, could be uh, moved in to live with him because, you know, he was legally blind. So yeah, he needed right. a lot of help. Yeah. And so Lloyd and I lived with him for a while. And I introduced him to Monique at Studio 54 one night. And after that night, they were never apart and they're still married. Oh, my
3: and gosh. That was like 1981, wow. I guess. Wow. But yeah,
1: studio was a big part of my life. I was at yeah. all the big parties. I was very fortunate. And Dan and I were constantly there dancing.
2: That's
3: amazing. Can you yeah. I mean can you think of any specific uh, stories that you're comfortable sharing about people we might know or interesting things people say? If it's all a blur that's okay, but I would No, I it's would not
1: a blur. You know, there's a saying if I remember didn't you didn't live it, that's not yeah. true. But I remember this like it's clear crystal. Well, okay. You know, I wasn't doing drugs by this point. I was never a druggy druggy. So I okay. remember things crystal clear. And like Dan, you know, we would just laugh and giggle and drink tequila, but that was Uh it. Um, Uh Well, you know, one night, I remember it was Bianca Jagger's birthday, Mm -hmm. and I remember dancing right next to her on the dance floor and, you know, doing like putting our arms together and going in circles. And there was a room downstairs, by the way, that was the private room. There was the VIP area upstairs, Mm -hmm. but the real VIP room was downstairs. Yep. I was fortunate to be down there. And when you see photographs from Mm -hmm. studio back in those days with Liza and Andy stuff, they're all down in that room. Okay. Um, And, uh, but I will tell you this on the second floor, if you were one of the group, let's call it, there was Uh a room near the bathrooms that had this huge table on it, this low cocktail table. And it was covered in white powder, if you know what I mean. Of course.
2: Sure. And you
1: would just walk up, snort up what you wanted, and mm-hmm. go down and dance it was mm-hmm. it was really wild and crazy, and I'm not gonna mention the okay. names it was there, sure. but it okay. was you know that was oh the,
3: that would be the, the best part, that were but part okay of that group,
1: <laughs> you know um, yeah. but it's everybody you've been saying. Um, yeah.
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the the bathrooms were the first time I was in a bathroom that was a co-ed bathroom. I mean the bathrooms yeah. at studio up on that second floor was men and women were in the same bathrooms, lots going on behind the stalls sure. um. It was uh, it was as wild and crazy as people talk about, okay. and, but it was it was uh, just a fabulous bunch of fun. And mm. and there was a time when you know what poppers are. They're, no. They're what you save somebody having a heart attack, you pop this thing under their nose. Oh right,
3: right, right. Yes, I do know yeah, what you mean. Yeah. Well, we call them like poppers smelling salts back then. or something. Yeah.
1: Yes, exactly. But they were mm-hmm. poppers. They would call poppers, and those okay. were all over the dance floor. People would just walk up and put it under your nose, and you'd get a hit and just go for yeah. hours. So oh it was a pretty wild and crazy dance floor. Um, wow. I know Elizabeth Taylor's birthday party, you know, uh, I was a part of that because of Rennie and we had white calla lilies and beautiful ice sculptures. And um, Michael Bobrock, who was a designer back then, and also an illustration artist had this huge uh Painting of Elizabeth Liz Taylor as you walked in, and that was a great, great party. And dancing right next wow. to her, and I remember looking at her and saying, I've never seen eyes like that before in my life. Really, everything really? you've ever heard, they were,
2: yeah, they
1: were piercingly beautiful. Wow. Um, so it was It was everything huh. you've heard. I'm here to tell you I lived it. I was there. Uh, it was, okay. It was I wish amazing, you'd be more specific. Time. I wish you
3: felt like you could tell <laughs> stories about specific people, because that would be so no. fun. But I get it. I get it. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, okay.
1: they might, may not appreciate it. But, right. uh, you know, it's everybody that you've seen in the photographs, and we were yeah. all in that VIP room and yeah. and all indulging. So um, it yeah. was and, but you know what was great about studios, uh, and that was, even though there was a line out front, you had to be lit in. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Steve Rubell was very good about letting in a couple of celebrities and then looking around the crowd and letting in some regular people. Mm-hmm. He mixed mm-hmm. it up so the balance on the dance floor and in the club was always a great group of celebrities and, a, and just regular people. And yeah. so you would be dancing next to... Andy Warhol or Liza Minnelli or Elizabeth mm-hmm. Taylor because of the way he mixed it up. And you didn't wow. have to be one of the in crowd to be on the dance floor because the yeah. dance floor was the dance floor. You right. know, There was VIP rooms, but if you wanted to dance, you went, you went out the on floor. the dance floor. And so okay. you would be dancing next to everyone that was a celebrity. And that's yeah. what was so cool about it.
3: Yeah. And you never... Yeah dated or hooked up with anyone we would no, know that you're still you know,
1: comfortable telling I was, us? Uh, I was dating I was still with Lloyd by, back then and okay. then we separated in seventy nine and I moved back into the city although I was still recording with Dan. Um and uh got involved in the fashion industry so my whole life was all about the fashion industry yeah. after that. Okay. Um I I, I so I didn't so Mick Jagger didn't try to Rocky pull well you
3: into a bathroom <laughs> stall and <laughs> Or maybe I he did. and You just don't want to talk that. about it. What? I, wish
1: I could say that. I wish I could say um, that, but no. Okay. But, um, believe me, I um, at Edgar's house there was, uh, you know, you name it. They were there sure. and lots okay. of craziness going on. And I remember one party at Johnny's house. Johnny's had this fabulous apartment, and he loved the color purple. Okay. So it was purple leather sofas and purple leather. Uh, and B.B. Wow. Buell, if you remember yeah, her, sure. yeah, ends Ruby, up being, Bob yeah, Lundgren, okay, she, yes, they were mom. all there, you know, so I was all a part of that crowd wow. Wow. Uh, that was hanging out at Johnny's and having a lot of fun, and, you know, oh, I man. was the one that wasn't doing the drugs, so I'm cleaning up, making sure the cigarette yeah. that just fell out of somebody that's really <laughs> out of it doesn't start <laughs> yeah. a fire, you know, right. <laughs> like Okay. kind of like the mother, that yeah, but um well
3: let's go the other uh, way then. I mean these, you know, there's there's rock stars marching through Edgar's house, Dan's house, yeah. your life. Um tell me we'll we'll go less salacious then. Was there anyone who was particularly nice or friendly or different I
1: will uh, tell you, maybe yes, than you would yes. think? Uh here here you go. Muddy Waters when he was recording really? at Dan's uh at the schoolhouse he would start drinking whiskey at ten o'clock in the morning, but he wasn't a drunk. He was just that—you uh-huh. know—he would have a shot of whiskey. Okay. He was a gentleman, soft-spoken, the nicest, nicest guy. And you know who else was like that? Hmm. Um, uh, from New York Dolls, uh, I just went David
3: blind. Johansson?
1: Yes, David Johansson. Jeez. Without uh, often, I would see him there a lot. Um, he was him. always clean, never drugged out, a a wow. cool, sweet, fun guy. Good. Yeah, it's you know, that was all an act.
2: Okay. And
1: he was grounded and wonderful. When Leonard Skinnerd was there uh recording, it was the same thing. Those guys got wild at night, but during the day, you would sure. think they were your next-door neighbors.
2: Interesting. Um,
1: it's very you know it's really interesting when musicians get into the studio and they're in a recording mode. They're they're serious, you know. Yeah, They're yeah. laying down the tracks. They want it to be good. They want to do as do it as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. So, uh they're not all screwed up in the yeah. studio
2: before okay. and after,
1: yeah. But once they're in that studio, they're serious. So
2: Interesting. I met,
1: you know, I just, I was uh, okay. very fortunate to You were Okay. Be with all these people and see them as, and 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 I think that's why I never got a big head about what I was doing.
2: Right. These
3: people
1: were grounded, normal people while I was around them.
3: Okay.
1: I mean, so yeah, I, have... I went on the road and 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 I saw the road life and and sure. I will tell you this: CBS Records um, did offer me to do a solo album, but that happened like 1980, and so I started recording oh. some songs. But my career was taking off in the fashion mm-hmm. industry. And I must say that um, I chose the fashion industry because I realized, number one, that the, the music industry was never the path I was in my head I was going okay. down. But also, the life question. is tough. Yeah. The road life is tough. I saw mm-hmm. it for myself. I saw that it destroyed uh, the marriage between Roma and Edgar because, you know, the musicians are up at night. You're the mm-hmm. wife. You're up during the day. It's a... It's hard. It's like so yeah. movie stars. It's hard to keep those marriages. So the I give yeah. Edgar so much credit for still being married to Monique since 1980, I think. That's uh,
3: amazing. Yeah, And they
1: are still together and okay. happily married. And I yeah, know that, I I think gonna... he just toured recently with a friend of mine, uh, Wally, from The Romantics.
3: I love Wally.
1: The the oh, my God. Do
3: you... You're friends with Wally?
1: Yeah. His wife is one of my best friends.
3: Okay, so I got to ask you one more question. You basically yeah. you answered a lot. I was curious why you went the fashion route and not mm-hmm. the music route. If things were sort of kind of blowing up for you, you know, you I imagine to this day. Correct me if I'm wrong. You still make the occasional residual check on a, on instant replay. Yes,
1: absolutely. Okay. Uh, okay. And I'll tell you because Dan made sure that which I found out accidentally. Um, it was I don't know 1998 or 99, and I get a phone call. From the vice president of marketing of the Old Navy stores,
2: oh. and he
1: said we want to use this uh, the song Instant Replay on one of our commercials this summer. And and, and according to um, where, wherever he went to find out who to get in touch with to get because Dan had passed away, he uh-huh. said Dan left you the rights to be able to um, say sign that I can use the song and really? of get the residuals. And I said, really, I didn't even know that.
2: Yes.
3: So,
1: um, yes, so, uh, what oh. I should do is just hire a lawyer and do nothing but have them try to get my, the song played. Of course. Because then I could ship. Them.
3: Yes. <laughs> Mailbox money. <laughs> my right? My
1: husband says that to me too. He goes, why not? Sit heck? home
3: and just collect. collect.
1: That's song know, is a classic,
3: and you're going to benefit uh, from it. Oh, I, man.
1: I and you know what? After right this conversation, on. maybe I will. But you it should. Got, so it was used in the Old Navy, and it was running prime time. And again, yeah. I got these residual checks that were crazy. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. But, but but you I'm have, sure like,
3: the most sharp life I can think of.
1: You know this what? I'm very blessed. Yes. very blessed. I had an incredible career in the fashion industry. I retired in 2014 because I worked okay. for Donna Karen, Oscar De La Renta. I had an amazing career all over the world, Moscow, yeah. you name it. I was there. Um, and I just kind of hit the wall traveling 100,000 sure. miles a year for like 17 sure. years. I amazing. loved the fashion industry and I chose it because, like I said, the music industry was never mm-hmm. supposed to happen, it happened accidentally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've always been a fashion freak and my mother was very fashionable and, and yeah, so that was the like the natural path for me. Okay. Um
2: okay. but I don't
1: ever regret kinda of walking away because yeah. um I was I will say one thing. Musicians are never on time. Yeah. Or the ones <laughs> I worked with. So I would get to the very studio true. ready to record at eleven PM and they'd stroll uh-huh. in at twelve thirty or one. And yeah. that got to me because I had a day job. So that was also why it was kind of easy to kind of walk away yeah. it because I had a day job that I loved, and it yeah. was too hard to try to uh, continue to record and have a day yeah. job and then start sounds traveling sounds like it didn't fit it your
3: personality. But it just um, you weren't that yeah, kind of I'm person. You're a little more organized.
1: Very organized and efficient. And when people mm-hmm. are late, it, it doesn't yeah. go well with me. <laughs>
3: yeah, I can tell. <laughs> Believe makes perfect can. sense okay
1: Yeah.
3: um yeah. were you ever was there ever um you know i'm i was curious this is basically my last question so uh yeah. when i look over your credits they're all related to dan um i mean you were making connections was there never in the were there no invitations to sing with other people or were you just not interested or didn't like position yeah. yourself that was, way
1: you know i think d- number one dan was very protective of me and i think okay. that he wanted to kind of be in control of who I would sing with. And I think that's why he wanted me to sing with L- Loretta on that song. Um, uh-huh. And then also, um, you know, I was moving away from it and I wasn't mm. loving being around, um, you know, late yeah. at night. And I, I just had a different, a different vibe for me. And I just knew my life was okay. supposed to do something else. It wasn't for you. Um and but you know the the beauty of it was I would do some fun some background vocals with the guys so whoever was out there Leonard Skinner and and Muddy Waters and stuff so they could hear what a background was going to sound like on this song or something like that
2: mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. never
1: where it was recorded and officially credited and and on the album or something you know okay. so I did okay. get to have some fun with it but sure. um, never officially
3: okay you know? did you t- and, and you uh, mentioned touring earlier did you tour with we Dan? did a,
1: Yeah, we did a couple of live shows. Um, one that, you know, I'm dying. Maybe you can help me on this. Okay. One year, and I'm not going to remember exactly what year it is, but there was Dinah Shore did this um, disco rewind a show oh. that was um, taped at Studio 54, and she had us, the Instant Replay Kids, come. Uh-huh. And I can't find a YouTube of that, and it's making me crazy. Oh. Um, maybe if you ever talk to Hilly again, maybe he knows where that okay. is. Something okay. I don't know. But I'll tell you a funny story real quick. You know, I left the, the – so I did that recording, you know, and I remember when I walked up and I was introduced to Donna Shaw, I was like, see the USA in your Chevrolet mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. she used to sing that commercial, and she laughed mm-hmm. and giggled, you know. Uh-huh. And um, now, so I'm guessing that was early 80s, and I'm sorry, I can't remember, and I can't find it anywhere. Fast okay. forward, it's 1985 or 86, and I'm traveling the Midwest. I worked for, for, it was probably 86, I worked at Kenneth Cole, and I was with my Midwest rep. I We're traveling through the Midwest, and remember, I never told anybody in the industry about my recording career.
2: Mm-hmm. We're at mm-hmm. the Ritz
1: Carlton in Chicago. We come up in the elevator. The doors open, and there is G.E. Smith, Bill oh. Collins, oh. uh, Hall Oates. They're all on tour together. G.E. oh Blanche, and I G. went, oh. G.E., and I look, and he goes, oh, my God, and we jump off the elevator, and I give him this big hug and kiss. Now, the guy that works with me at Kenneth Cole is standing there going, what the heck? Yeah, how do you know these um, people? Yeah. And GE said, oh, I'm on tour with them. In fact, why don't you come to the concert tonight? And we're going to have a big party afterwards. And so, wow. um, the, you know, we kiss and hug, and they get on the uh-huh. elevator, and I meet everybody. And, and uh, the, <laughs> the elevator goes away. And my the, my Midwest rep goes, oh, my God. And I said, oh, it's another life. You don't know anything about it. He goes, well, <laughs> we're definitely going to the concert and the party, right? And I said, of course. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: oh, yes.
1: It's better. So, then, so I take him to the party, and it's a wild, crazy, fun party, right? Uh-huh. And he and I talk and everything. Now, two days later, we're in Milwaukee. I swear to God, I'm not making this up. We walk into this fabulous hotel. It's one of the old hotels, kind of like what the plaza was to New York City in Milwaukee. And wow. um, we walk in, check in, and we're standing at the front desk. We're checking in, and I look over, and Dinah Shore walks in to check no in. No
3: way. <laughs> swear to God. Stop. In Milwaukee.
1: So, wow. Milwaukee. So he <laughs> whispered, and I said, "Excuse me a second. Now, he has no idea what I'm going to do. And uh-huh. I walked over to Dinah Shore and I said, "Excuse me, you're never going to remember me." And but I'm going to tell you this. And I said, "I recorded with Dan Hartman. We were on your show. And remember, I walked up to you and saying." the USA in your Chevrolet and she cracked up she took off her sunglasses because she was kind of like incognito
2: uh-huh. of and course. she
1: goes oh my god darling and she was so lovely and friendly of well, uh-huh. she probably didn't remember me but yes. you know she's a professional she, was nice. and she made me sure. feel wonderful and she was nice and we went up on the elevator together The el- she gets off on one floor and the guy looks at me Tommy Shea was his name and he said what else what <laughs> else <laughs>
3: oh that's so good <laughs> Wow. I had These to sit people. down
1: that night and tell him about my life in the music industry and yes. all the people I met. It was hilarious. Yes.
3: Oh man. Wow. Uh, so what do you do so now? What I mean you mentioned retiring two years yeah, ago. I retired. What's a day in the life of Blanch of Blanche? Okay,
1: now? okay. Um I retired, I continue to do I retired in two thousand fourteen. I uh-huh. continue to do some consulting with some uh designers that are perhaps launching their line and need guidance on managing a brand and building a brand. But my day to day life is uh I have two dogs I rescued. So hmm. uh they are I never had children, I never wanted children, never had children. I have two little girls now, they're dogs. And okay. my fabulous husband who is on the opposite side of the, the spectrum, he was always a wall streeter, he kept me grounded through all these years when I okay. you know, was a big fashion hoodoo. Um sure. and uh we we live part time in Palm Beach and part-time in out on Long Island in a little t- village called Quag where he grew up. My wow. life is wonderful. I play tennis okay. three times a week. I oh, do man. spin classes. Pilates. I have this wonderful life, and my life now is about taking care of these dogs, and I do volunteer work uh, at dog shelters, and uh, and I do volunteer work. I had breast cancer. I'm a breast cancer survivor, Ooh, wow. so I do okay. uh, a lot of charity work raising money for uh, Cancer Alliance and before that for Susan G. Komen. So uh, my life has been about rescuing or now giving back and helping people, and mm-hmm. I love it, I uh, uh, and it's uh, very fulfilling. Good. And so I have extraordinary cool. stories and memories, but I feel I like my it. life is just as extraordinary now.
3: Well, it sounds like it. it's You've gone from success to success. This is like a series <laughs> of peaks. No valleys. <laughs> sounds like you know what I mean. You know what's funny?
1: I've worked with in the music industry. I I worked with and met incredible icons in the music industry, and the same thing in the fashion industry. Working with Oscar mm-hmm. De La Renta and Donna Karen, and all of the great designers. Um, mm. I've just been so fortunate and blessed yeah. Yeah. to work with the best of the best, and mm-hmm. um and and I I know how fortunate I am, mm-hmm. and uh so my career in both areas. Has just been fascinating and wonderful, and oh. uh, I'm just a, am very blessed. I have a wonderful yeah. family in Texas that I, you know, my father's 96, going on 70, kicking butt, and wow. um, and uh, my hope, you know, I'm a Texas girl. You, sure. you know, I lived in New York my adult life, but you can never take the Texas out of a Texas yeah. girl. I'm always a Texan. I will <laughs> That's die a Texan. for Texans.
3: a lot of Texans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I know that to be true. Where are you right now? By the way, are you in I'm Florida out in right Plagg now? I'm
1: in Fogg now. That's where I am. You are summer, okay. and okay. Uh, and uh, it's a it's a wonderful place. And we go back wow. down to Palm Beach in uh, in October for the winter. We both. Hmm. My husband was born and raised in the New York area, so he got tired of winters, and that's why sure. we chose to go to, to Florida. Like old amazing. retired people,
2: you know. Yep. I'm
1: sixty five in November. He's sixty four, but we're both still going on forty. You know, so
2: that's
3: amazing. Well, we that's may be so in great. Florida,
1: but we're we're still young at heart. <laughs>
3: okay. That's great. Oh, uh, Blash, this was so much fun. Thank you so oh, well, much for a blast talking to me. For
1: me, it's so much fun and I, I really appreciate it because I've never thought of myself as a, you know, um a a, a musician or uh-huh. a star in any way. I was always just a girl having a lot of fun. And so it's really fun to relive it and mm-hmm. uh and and to have been a part of it. Um, but, um, I'm just a fortunate girl.
0: (laughs) You are, you are, and you have some great
1: stories,
2: right?
0: Yes, I'm just a fortunate girl. There you have it, Blanche Napoleon. Can you believe what an amazingly charmed life this woman has had? She is so interesting and so smart and on top of it. I just loved it. A part of me is envious, but a part of me is also really proud too. Great lady. Now, normally, I would obviously close the show with a song that Blanche was singing on. I hope she doesn't mind. I didn't do that this time because in the 80s, Dan did a ton of soundtrack work. He had songs on Streets of Fire, obviously, Scrooged, uh, Ruthless People, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and this song right here, Get Out of Town from Fletch. So I thought it would be really interesting to play a song for you that... Maybe you don't know this song or knew who sang it, but if you're like me, you've seen Fletch a million times, probably never realizing that Dan Hartman was the guy singing this song. So I thought it'd be fun to close with that. Huge thanks to Jan Mokavich, as always, for producing the episode. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, Please find us on iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. Write us a review. It would really help us out a lot if you could write a review, good or bad. But write us something, please. And you can find us on Facebook. You can connect with me that way if you want. You can send me an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com. If you want me to track down somebody for you to have on the show, let me know and I'll do it. I haven't decided yet who the guest is going to be next week. I have a bunch of interviews in the can, and I'm not sure which one I'm going to go with. So come back next Tuesday, and we'll find out who that is. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you later.